0: listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries' Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I am the host of this program. There is an elderly gentleman I talked to that I cannot forget. It has been a while, and although we only talked for a short time, I can still remember our conversation clearly. He was very old when we met, and he had been retired for a while. But when he was young, he was a successful entrepreneur. He shared that he met Christ only near the end of his life, and he quietly shed a tear as he shared how only his regret looking back at his life. After living a life that many would envy, an entrepreneur who was confident and ambitious in his youth said that he regretted not being able to live for Jesus instead striving after success the story of this elderly man pressed on my heart deeply recently i've been thinking about our conversation when i near the end of my life there will be a time when i will also look back and reflect upon it and i think What would I say or think about my life when I am there? Sometimes I fear that I might regret how I did not live for the Lord. With these thoughts, I remember what Joshua said before his death in the Bible. Many thoughts come to my mind as I read about him beautifully and bravely greeting the end of his life. We will share more after our first song. When I sometimes become tired or lazy in my faith, I read the last two chapters of Joshua, chapters 23 and 24. When I read what Joshua says at the end of his life after gathering all of the Israelites, I once again become encouraged to follow the Lord with a renewed and refreshed heart. These last words are Joshua's final sayings recorded in the Bible. It is like his last will. From these last words are Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the God of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord, declared Joshua. The man who was able to so strongly and adamantly exhort to all the descendants of Israel before his death with Joshua. Looking at him, I wonder how he was able to keep his faith so well until the end, and wonder if I will be able to make such proclamation at the end of my life. Joshua in the verses before recalls the past years one by one, remembering how God worked amongst the Israelites and guided them through all things. God reveals to the Israelites through Joshua all of the things that he did starting from choosing Abraham and leading him out from Ur of the Chaldeans, to parting the Red Sea and leading the Israelites out of Egypt and finally guiding them to his promised land of Canaan, upon which they dwell. And from what he relates to the Israelites, there is a theme that repeats, I took your father Abraham and led him through all the land of Canaan, brought your fathers out of Egypt, I delivered you from his hand. That is right. Joshua is confessing to the Israelites that since God's promise with Abraham until now, even when the Israelites entered Canaan, a land that they had neither labored nor built nor planted trees upon, it was always God who guided, led, delivered, and brought them through all things. Perhaps why we admire Joshua's leadership and courage even at the end of his life is because he never let go of his faith in God throughout his entire life. When he was spying out the land of Canaan, looking upon the giant Canaanites, when he was marching the people around the seemingly unconquerable walls of Jericho, Joshua was able to overcome each obstacle in faith that God was with them and was leading them. His confident and bold declaration at the end of his life touches our hearts deeply because his life showed that he actually lived in such faith. It is something that only those who kept their faith and have fought the good fight could say. And the Israelites, after listening to Joshua's final bold instructions, resolve and reply in verse 24. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey His voice.
1: Song of ours will rise. Oh, how constant, how divine. This love of ours will rise, will rise.
2: Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Francis Chan of Cornerstone Church. Today's topic is Grace, Grace, Part 2, based on Galatians chapter 1, verses 10-24. through 24. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Francis.
3: But in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Okay. So you got the picture? Saul is, he's gotten orders now. He went to the high priest. He goes, hey, can I get letters so that if I find anyone belonging to this way and this Jesus thing... I can arrest them. I can kill them. I mean, his point, like he says in Galatians, I wanted to destroy. I wanted to put into extinction the church of Jesus Christ. So this is Saul. And he's going after these Christians. You read a couple chapters earlier in in chapter seven when Stephen was stoned and Saul was there giving his approval. That's right. Kill him. Let's kill these Christians. Let me get some orders because I want to kill more of these Christians. And so he's minding his own business, going after pleasing his family. Pleasing his ancestors, everything else. He goes, and suddenly this light strikes me. I'm walking with these guys looking for more Christians to persecute. And suddenly I'm blinded. And I hear a voice from heaven saying, why are you persecuting me? Okay, my question to you right now is, what did Saul do to deserve that? Why did God reach out to Saul and say, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to speak to him. I'm going to turn him around. I'm going to show him the truth about me. Why did he do that? Was it because Saul was such a good person? Was it because Saul was a person that sought after God? No. In fact, if you read in Galatians 1.10, it says, if I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. See, Paul was just trying to please men. Here he was was pursuing the traditions of his fathers. He goes, I was doing what people wanted me to do, but then suddenly God got a hold of my life. That's his story. Now, some of you in this room may think, well, maybe God went after Saul because he saw that at least he was passionate about something. That God looked down on the earth and said, look, you know, here's a guy that at least he's passionate. At least he's passionate about God. Even though he doesn't know what he believes right now, at least he's passionate. Maybe that's why he went after Saul. Those thoughts have ran through my mind before. But what does Paul say in Galatians 1? Galatians 1 verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from what? Birth. Wait, wait! God set him apart from birth. So from the time that that he was born, God already decided he was going to go after. So like God, God said, "You know what? This is what's going to happen in this guy's life." Like God had it all charted out. See, that's nuts. I mean, the first time I encountered that, I never really remembered that about Paul. The first time I encountered something like that was when I was on that trip up in the mountains. And, and God just opened up the Bible and just kind of fell on Jeremiah chapter 1, a passage I had never really studied before. I would read through it, but I never really looked at it. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says to Jeremiah in verse 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Think about that for a second. God says to Jeremiah, listen, before I even put you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I already set you apart to be a a prophet to the nations. It's about this eternal plan and this eternal relationship. What did Jeremiah do to, to deserve that? Then this week I was reflecting on John the Baptist. What about John the Baptist? This started before him. It was with his dad in Luke chapter 1. In verse 13 it says, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, He's saying to, to John the Baptist dad. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will give him the name John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never take wine or ferment a drink, and he will be filled. Listen, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What did John the Baptist do to be so blessed that he could have the Holy Spirit even from birth? What did he do? Same thing Jeremiah did, right? Same thing Saul did, right? Same thing I did, right? Same thing you did. Nothing. 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 I mean, that's why God uses these examples. He goes, don't you understand? This was from birth I went after these people. And maybe some of you in this room still go, well, maybe he was a great embryo. You know, or, you know, I mean, cause it's hard. It's like, I gotta do something. There's gotta be some reason. Is it really God just pouring out His grace on me as an individual? Why did He, why did He do this for me? Because He loves you. He just chose to love you. That's why Paul says, "I was set." He set me apart from birth and called me by His grace. By His grace. Remember, grace, grace. That's what this is about. Because this is what the Book of Galatians is about. It's about man. I didn't do anything. This has happened from, from from time I was. I mean, think about your life right now. I mean, why are you in this room? Is it really because you were a person that's just always pursued God and you always wanted to know God and, and, and so you started studying all these different religions and then you found truth and, and in this pursuit of God here you are because you just went after Him, went after Him, went after Him? Or is the story really that you were born into a Christian home? You're just kind of put there. Or maybe you were born in an unbelieving home and, and, and some friend just came to you and started sharing this stuff about, about Jesus and, or, or maybe you went through something in life to get you to think about eternal things, to think about God. I mean, was it really you that went after God, or really was your story like Saul? Where what could what else is Saul going to do? God struck him blind. God told him, "Look, you are persecuting me, and so unless you do what I'm going to tell you to do, you're going to have to walk around blind." Saul almost didn't even have any choice in the matter. It's like God just going, I, "I'm going to love you, and I'm going to reach out to you, and I'm going to get you. I am going to get your attention somehow. I'm going to pull you to myself because I love you and I want you." When when my kid Zeke was born, he doesn't really have a choice. He's going to be loved by me. That's just he just got lucky, okay? He 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 just happened to have a dad that just that's just going to pour out his grace on him. And really, uh, take some time this week. Evaluate your life and look back at all the things. And don't you see the hand of God through it all? This isn't about us. This isn't about you being so good so you ended up here and now you're doing good works in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. From beginning to finish, it's God, 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 God. And it's his grace, 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 grace. And that ought to give us security, 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 security. Like, Wow. He has always loved me. He has always been there. I couldn't have got to this point by myself. He brought me here. And if he began this good work in me, he's going to carry it to completion. And I ought to just sit around all day basking in the love of Jesus instead of trying to prove my love to him. I want to do good things, you know, in his name. It's a joy to serve him. But it's got to be about that. And it can't be about me working to earn some approval. Because the truth is, is God's shown me that He's loved me from the start, and so why do I now have to earn it? And that's why that's why Saul or Paul says here, he goes, He goes, That's why when God called me, he says, I didn't consult any man. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. I just went immediately into Arabia. See, God told Saul, You're gonna go and speak to these Gentiles and, and he had such an experience he just thought, you know what? I'm gonna go then. He goes, I didn't go and check. Hey, Peter, James, John, is it cool if I do this? He goes, I didn't consult any man. I heard the voice of God. God went after me. And so I just went after him. And I just started, I immediately, he says, I just went and did what God wanted me to do. And I love that. Because it's so different from us. We like to procrastinate. we like, well, I think God's leading me to this. But let me go check with Francis. Let me go ask Todd. Let me see if the church is going to do anything down that road anyways. It's like, no. You guys, if God's calling you to do something, you don't need to consult anyone. Just go for it. If you know it's God, you know it's biblical, go for it. You want, you want some advice, you want some encouragement? Yeah, come to us. But there comes a time where, man, I dream, I really dream. I dream of the day when everyone in this room wakes up, let's say tomorrow morning, on a Monday morning. Here's my dream. Everyone wakes up Monday morning and you alone come before Almighty God. You yourself. Without me, you don't have to call, hey, friends, what does God want me to do today? No, but you, just before Almighty God, you just read his word and you say, God, what does that mean to me? What do you want me, your created being, you know, the one you knit together in his mother's womb, the one you knew before you, you even put me in my mother's womb, the one who's loved me all along? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And I'm going to go after that. Man, that would be such a rush. I mean, can you just imagine if every single person at Cornerstone Church really heard from God in the morning and just said, I, I don't care what anyone else thinks. This is between God and I, and I'm going to go for it, because everything I see is this is coming out of the Word of God. And He wants me to do this, and I'm going to go for it. Because if we all did that, the Spirit would give such a sense of unity. If we all really heard from the Spirit, there would be incredible unity in this place. And we'd all use our God-given gifts. And as amazing as the church is right now, man, if we all individually, and I know a lot of you do already, but if everyone did it, every part of the body sought after God and said, okay, what do you want me to do for your body, for this city, for this planet? If we all could obey like, uh, like Saul did. Three weeks ago when I, when I spoke, I was talking about human trafficking and, uh, a the guy came up to me he goes, oh, my friend's coming next surface and this is what she does. I'm like, no way. I go, that's so cool. Anyways, I, I saw him in the front row with his friend. And so I invited this girl up and I had no clue anything about her. I just felt like that's what God wanted me to do. I, I just love this story because, first of all, it's just kind of a shock. I didn't know anything about this girl, but just for her to say, yeah, just 19 years old, a go-go dancer in Hollywood and uh, someone walking around, someone from our church that invited her to church back then and uh, she was changed and immediately she went and, and moves out to Thailand to start rescuing these other people and I thought wow that's not so much like the Apostle Paul it's just like this this crazy transformation that took place and then you, you, because you were rescued you went out and immediately just went and did what God was calling you to do and I just I just love that story I love that testimony but again it's just another picture of what did she do to deserve this relationship with God. Nothing. Right? She was going her own way. Just doing her thing. And then God went after her. From from someone here. Went after her. And said, no, come, let me tell you about Jesus. There's a better way than, than the way that you're living. And And when she found him, it was so real to her that it's like, it, it didn't matter what everyone else was doing in America. She goes, this is what I'm going to do. Because this is what I, I believe God wants me to do. And she just went after it. I, I just love that story. And, and at the end of it, what do we do? We praise God, right? We go, wow, God, thanks for rescuing Lana. <laughs> Such a killer story. I'm meeting with her this week and just, just kind of talking through, you know, how we can support her better as a church. As she goes back to Burma. But I just go, God, thank you for what you did in her life. It's, it's about him. Is it, see, that's what Paul says at the end of this. Let me just close with this. He says, after that happened, he goes, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other, other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Paul goes, look, this isn't about a bunch of apostles coming after me and brainwashing me. He goes, I didn't even meet these guys till years later. He goes, the only thing they knew about me was, that's the guy that was trying to kill us. And now he's on our side. And, and the, the end goal was, he says, and they praised God because of me. I love that, because it didn't say, and they praised me because of what I did. They praised God because of me. And isn't that, shouldn't that be the goal of all of our lives? Where people look at your life and go, God, thank you for doing that in his life. Thank you for doing that in Lana's life so that now she can minister to all these people and minister to all of us and everyone else is going to be watching this. You go, God, thank you. Thank you for doing that because that fires me up. Do people look at your life and say, wow, praise God for you. He really loved you. He really went after you. And I know some of you where God just gone after you, gone after you, gone after you. And it's such a beautiful thing. And now you're here in love with Jesus and you give all the glory to God. You guys, here's what I, I want us to do. Um, my, my whole goal this morning is... Was, was the same as Paul's, where he says, I just pray that you, you would just be able to have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I just want you to leave here secure today. I want you to look back at your life and go and realize, God, it was you all along. It was you all along pursuing me, pursuing me, pursuing me. Even when I was rebellious against you, even when I hated you, even when I mocked people who followed you, you still went after me, and here I am today. And my prayer is that, you know, you would so be so secure in that, and so secure in your relationship with God, that you would just hear from him and, and pursue whatever he wants you to do, knowing that you're secure in that. Because you realize for the first time, wow, so God loved me. yet yeah, He loved you so much, that's why he sent his son. His son came down here to go after you, to pay for all the sins in your life die on a cross for you. It's an awesome thing. I mean, it's it's an outrageous thing to think that God is pursuing me. Think about that. Just, just, Just try to say that phrase in your mind. God is in pursuit of me. It's a crazy, crazy thought. God, you found me. I wasn't even looking for you. If anything, I was running from you. I was just doing my own thing, and you sought me out. You found me, and then you loved me, and then you saved me, and then you healed me, and then you heard me. It's just you, 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 you went after me. And I just want to say that to God right now. I want us all to say that and confess that we're not a bunch of good people that just went after God in this room. He went after us. He set us apart from birth, and that's why we're in this room in love with Jesus. It's because of His grace, His grace.
4: And, lonely. and all the thieves will come confess and know that you are holy. Will know that you are holy. Yeah. Sh-
0: You're now with Unity in Christ, powered by Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to hear from you. If you have any comments or testimony that you want to share with us, please email it to askhsgm at gmail.com. Now you can find all the programs of Heart and Soul on podcasts. You can easily play this week's or past week's program or even download them on your device in just a few minutes. Search for Heart and Soul at your iTunes stores now. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is a story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs.
2: Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston with The Voice of the Martyrs. I think the most well-known Bible verse to Christians living in this era is John 3.16. Perhaps this verse is also most concise in expressing the meaning of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The reason why Jesus came to this world was for everyone who believes in him to be removed from eternal destruction and to receive eternal life. Eternal Life Those who know Jesus Christ, that is, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, have eternal life. A person who has eternal life like this does not try to exchange the brief temporary time on earth with eternal life. Anyone can see that such an exchange would clearly be a loss. However, the world tempts us to look at life from the perspective of what is right in front of us instead of eternal life to come. But such temptations of the world are not worthy in the eyes of the person who has eternal life. Today we will listen to the story of Pastor Mehdi Dibaj, who willingly embraced death because he believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God.
5: Pastor Madi Debas. I was born into a strict Muslim family in Iran. However, by the grace of God, I got to know Jesus, even though I was Muslim. When I met the One who gave me life, I decided to believe in Him and follow Him, and I wanted to share this good news of eternal life with my friends. But it wasn't easy to be a Christian in Iran. People called me an apostate, meaning I was faithless to the Islamic religion. Turning from Islam to Christianity is considered a crime in Iran, so I was arrested and placed into solitary confinement. They demanded that I abandon Jesus Christ and follow Allah, but how could I deny the truth? I was experiencing fleshly pain while incarcerated, but I'd rather go through the physical pain I was experiencing and know that I had eternal life in Christ than to deny Him just so the pain would stop. No, I could not deny Him who gave me eternal life. Of the nine years of my time in prison, I spent two years in solitary confinement Others did not like that solitary cell but I grew to actually enjoy my time in that room because I could spend time with the Lord to grow in my intimacy with Him. In December 1993, the Iranian government wanted to put me on trial. They advised me to return to Islam and gave me a chance to defend myself. However, I did not spend that opportunity defending myself but instead made it into an opportunity to witness for Jesus Christ. And when I testified about the Lord, they shouted at me, Return to Islam! Return to Islam! To those who were yelling at me to return to Islam, I responded, Where are you telling me to return to, when I am already in God's embrace? Is it right to disobey God's word and to listen to the word of men instead? 45 years have passed since I have started following Jesus who performs miracles. His love has always been by my side. The grace of God, my Father, who loved me and took care of me, I cannot repay. My Lord Jesus is my Savior and the Son of God. John chapter 17 verse 3 tells us that eternal life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. A worthless sinner like me has eternal life because of the belief I have in Jesus. All of his words and miracles are recorded in the Bible. I have trusted my life in his hands. To me, life in this world means an opportunity to serve the Lord, and death in this world means a better opportunity, after which I will go to the Lord. I am not only satisfied to be imprisoned for the honor of His holy name, but am ready to give my life for the sake of Jesus my Lord. I will soon be in the kingdom of God. When they heard my testimony, they sentenced me to death. But I was so delighted to receive that death sentence because it was a tremendous honor for me to follow the Lord with such suffering. I praise my Lord who has saved me.
2: Pastor Mehdi Debaj, who did not forsake the name of the Lord who gives us eternal life, received a death sentence. However, he did not die at the trial, because Iran's most well-known pastor, Pastor Haik, Hovsepian, and other Christian brothers, wrote and submitted a petition for Pastor Dabaj, who had been unjustly sentenced to death. Their efforts led to Pastor Dabaj being released in the end. However, only a few days after Pastor Debaj's release, Pastor Hosepian was murdered, and Pastor Debaj was also found brutally murdered a few months later. Jesus says in John 6, 54-55, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats the flesh and drinks the blood of Jesus Christ is the one who confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The world is not worthy of such people. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Voice of the Martyrs. God bless.
0: We will all face the day when we leave this world. What kind of words will we be leaving behind to our descendants on that day? Would it be a bold declaration of faith like Joshua, or a confession of living a life in vain, remembering the past that is painted with regret? Perhaps we need to take some time to reflect upon our lives, being alert to the fact that our time in this world is short. If we reflect ourselves against the Word of God and strive to live in accordance with it daily, I believe that we will draw nearer to our Lord and start to resemble Jesus more and more as time goes on. I hope that all of our listeners will be able to boldly declare our life of faith to the next generation at the end of our lives like Joshua. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week, and God bless.
4: My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way. My help is on the way